0: Right now, there is a huge degradation of America, of our culture, of our institution, of our constitution, because we are putting government ahead of God. And as a nation, our religious aspects, our religious founding is deteriorating.
1: Hi, I'm Evelyn Ray. Welcome to The Cauldron Pool Show. Today, I have joined with me an incredible lady. She is a producer at The Blaze. She also hosts her own podcast called Rapid Fire with Sav. Um, And she's an amazing on-the-ground reporter. She's been around the world, in America, on the streets, doing the hard work, fighting against censorship. And she herself is probably one of the most censored people in this spectrum. I'd like to welcome Sav Hernandez. Evelyn, thank you so much for having
0: me. I'm so excited to be here today.
1: Did I say your name right? Did I get that right?
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Savannah Hernandez, Hernandez. that is my correct
1: name. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me today. I really wanted to have you on because I love what you have to say. Um, Everything you say is like right, like on the money. It's just truth bombs, left, right and center. But you are so incredibly censored. And I thought maybe my Australian audience isn't familiar with you. So I wanted to have you on. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the censorship? Because I know you were nuked, I think, on Twitter a little while ago. And I know you've Mm -hmm. struggled with this censorship. So I thought I'm going to leave the stage to you and you can just kind of share with us your feelings around that particular subject.
0: Of course, Evelyn. Well, again, thank you so much for letting me use your platform to get some exposure for the Australian crowd. One of my favorites. I've been following what's been going on over there, and I think it's absolutely amazing. Every single one of you who have come out and actually pushed back against your government. So, shout out to Australians who are pushing back. You guys are amazing. Uh, to the censorship. Uh, for those who may not know me, I previously worked for InfoWars from 2018 to 2020, and during that time frame, Alex sent me all over the world. I went and I reported on the Riots and protests in Hong Kong and then the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots of 2020 here in America and I was all over the country for that. My Twitter account blew up I had over 120,000 followers at that point and basically everyone in the industry that I needed following me so I could break news and actually expose what was going on, on the streets of America was following me. So it was a a very good platform. I was at the Million MAGA March at the end of 2020. This was post-election. Donald Trump was having it. He was rallying his supporters. We were all in DC just to go support the president and support free and fair elections. And I ended up taking a pan with the crowd, singing Star-Spangled Banner. It was, I can't remember how many in attendance, but it was hundreds of thousands of people. It was a beautiful moment, Mm -hmm. panned the crowd. Donald Trump ended up retweeting it, resulting Mm -hmm. in my entire Twitter account being deleted. And the reason why I bring it up and the reason why this is important is because this is the modern day rewriting of history, right? So for the entirety of 2020, I was on the ground and I had major US news sources linking to my footage of antifa stopping a black man from going to work in the middle of the night and then that black man saying how is this for black lives matter when you're not allowing me to go to work to care for my Mm. family and pay my bills that clip got deleted off the face of the earth all of the black lives matter riots from portland to washington dc where blm was harassing the elderly beating them up in the streets lighting Mm. fires attacking small businesses all of that footage was completely gone and it's baffling to me that you can go to a Fox News article now, and there's an entire story written around the footage that was taken, but the footage is no longer there. Mm, So I want people to understand the importance of censorship and why it is such a big deal. And that's why, because, you know, the Let's say the next generation, 10 years, 10 years on when they learn about the Black Lives Matter riots, or they'll probably frame it as protest in 2020, because we all know that they're already rewriting those to say that they were peaceful and it was for racial justice. And it was Trump supporters Mm. who were the worst thing that ever happened and J6 was essentially 9-11 part two, blah, blah, blah. But when this next generation goes to study what actually happened during Trump's presidency, what actually happened during 2020, all of the footage and all of the truth about what actually happened is going to be erased,
1: therefore leaving mm. the
0: left to rewrite history and write their own narrative.
1: Seen this before, haven't we?
0: <laughs> Many a time. It's so funny Evelyn, because I feel, yeah, I'm doing a lot of uh, World War II research and history lately. That's been kind of what... Uh, I've been watching late night as World War II docs. And I'm like, why is this so similar to the modern day? I don't like that at all.
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of parallels, isn't there? There's a lot of things that we once found outrageous as a society. And now in modern culture, we look back on history and shake our heads and point our fingers at our ancestors and go, how could you do this? And it's like, we are literally replicating the things that we are accusing our ancestors Of doing. Um, Now, I wanted to sort of touch base with you about the Hong Kong protests, because you were there on the ground. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it was
0: amazing, Evelyn. This was, okay, best thing ever is that's how I got my start in protest and i wouldn't even necessarily no. call that a riot if you will the hong kongers they don't like to be called chinese because you know they're in hong kong mm. their democracy they're separate from the communist chinese the hong kongers were actually using a lot of the tactics that we see from antifa here in the u.s and antifa learned a lot of their protest tactics from the hong wow. kongers so yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing, and I'll let you actually get back to your question there. Sorry, I get so excited about this. No, that's why I got my start, and it was such an exhilarating and amazing experience to go cover that.
1: Well, that's sort of where I was sort of leading to because in Australia. Um, we kind of we saw limited amounts of information about what was going on in Hong Kong but like most news in Australia unless you go searching beyond mainstream you don't really get to grasp like the holistic concept of what's happening and like I know myself I kind of did I looked beyond the mainstream media lens and I tried to look for what was going on and um, I really appreciated people like yourself who were on the ground who were giving us that raw information Um, Mm -hmm. and the The sort of things that I was seeing is that it was really nice is that is that weird for me to say that like was there like a really good community spirit with the Hong Kong protesters am I getting that right 100%
0: Evelyn. I've never seen such a unified people in my life. Now, the Mm. marches in Hong Kong were nothing like I've ever seen. It was millions of people. And during the day, it was children. It was families. It was adults. Every single person in Hong Kong, they were marching there together. And the umbrella was one of their symbols of freedom. They all had these umbrellas. And I remember this moment where they're marching down the street. There's millions of umbrellas and it's just this sea of color. It was, like I said, it was amazing. It was an exhilarating moment of all of these people standing together in unison to push back against the communist Chinese. There was another period of time during that. I believe I was there for a solid five days. So during one of those Mm. days, there was a student led march where it was specifically students who were pushing back. There was another march where they were uh, falling specifically the facial recognition towers that were being put up to, you know, recognize and disappear protesters. I talked to people on the street because I do think that one of the best forms of journalism is actually going and speaking to people on the street and saying, hey, what have you experienced? Why are you out here today? Because oftentimes the mainstream media will give you their version of why people are out on the street. But what's the best way to find out is actually going and talking to Hong Kongers themselves. So I went and I asked them, hey, is it true that the communist Chinese will disappear you? Is it true that you can't speak out against the government? And they would say, yes. Oftentimes they would only allow me to record them with uh, like their mouth down so that way you couldn't see their full face because they Mm. did fear government repercussion because they were telling the truth of what was happening. I heard many stories of family members who were disappeared by the communist Chinese and that's why the people were out in such full force because China was trying to take over Hong Kong. They have at this point very sadly but um, it was a beautiful moment and when the police ended up coming in because that was the period of time when the protesters started getting angry. They were pulling bricks up off of the street to throw them at police. They were using lasers against these Chinese police. It was insane. There was tear gas deployed. I wasn't ready. This was my first protest that I was covering. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> you heard the band aid off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was in the middle. <laughs> Of the street, and I noticed that this huge wide gap started forming, and I was like, "What's happening?" And I look over, and on one side is a line of police with riot shields and tear gas guns and pepper ball guns, and then on the other side you have the Hong Kong protesters with their shields, their lasers, their. Carving bricks out of the street, and I'm in the middle of it, and I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> like, I don't have a helmet, I don't have a, you know a gas mask." Let me, you know, kind of go off to the side here. But I'm in the middle of all of this, and I'm watching this fight between democracy and communism, if you will, yeah, and it was wow. amazing. And of course, the police started tear gassing the people, and so the people, in order to evade arrest, um, they were running away, and it was Evelyn. You'll never see this, I don't think, in America. <sighs> But there were Hong Kongers and these are like old grandmas driving cars and and they would just open their car and say, hey, get in, get in. Let's go. Let's go. Um, And they were all protecting each other. Every single citizen was united. They were all protecting each other. It was no man left behind. They were putting up barricades so the police couldn't follow them. It was an amazing scene.
1: It's something like you you would hope that human beings do, but it's mm-hmm. very rare that you actually see people do that. So for you to witness that, that would have been an incredible life experience for you. And I reckon that would, like, if I had have seen that, I probably would have come back to my comfortable Western nation in Australia at the time. And I would have been looking around going, I don't think you would pull me in your car. I think you would leave me on the street. It would have been a, a beautiful thing and a confronting thing all at the same time, I'm guessing. But can I get this right? The, so the, the Hong Kong protesters, did they have any type of like, proper organization as in like um, did they have military or police like on their side of things or was it literally just the people versus the communist party of China
0: I was only there for a week on the ground but I was following it for months prior as far as I'm concerned it was mostly the people pushing back against the CCP against the Chinese Mm. police so I do very much think it was a very grassroots and organic movement of the people. And that's why we are seeing them in such great numbers because they were facing off against the military. As we all know, when it comes to China, it's very different than let's say mm-hmm. the United States where our military members may have a little bit more freedom to voice opinions, if you will. Not, necess- not that they necessarily do because if you're in our military, you're not supposed to yeah. express political opinions. But at the end of the day, like people can still kind of decide like, hey, I'm not gonna side with the government. Whereas with China, if a military member decided to do that, they get disappeared forever. So it's a little bit different, which is mm. why I think it was very much Chinese military and Chinese police force against the people. But like I said, the people were rallying in huge numbers. They actually were taking dish soap as well. Now that we're talking about this, I'm getting flashbacks yeah. with everything I saw. <laughs> they would take dish soap and oil and they would spray it all over the streets or they would put it in the mall because they would invade malls, right? Not invade, but they would go into malls and they would all start chanting and singing for democracy, it was beautiful. And what would end up happening is the police would go in and tear gas them in the mall. So then they would get soap and they would like soap down the the walkway so the police would slip and fall. It was- Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. That's something out of like Home Alone, like setting booby traps, like slipping on things. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Oh, wow. So would you say that that was sort of the moment, the catalyst that really got you hungry for sort of street um, reporting, on the ground reporting? Was that your moment?
0: Yes, it definitely was. I remember I was there with Paul Joseph Watson because he was reporting as well. We were there with Alessandra Bacchi, She's an Italian journalist. And I remember holding on to Paul's shirt as he's walking me and leading me out of the tear gas because I couldn't breathe at that point. And I was just thinking, this is awesome. And this tear gas hurts so badly, but the fact that I'm able to expose what is going on and to show the energy and the freedom mm. of these people and what they're doing here in Hong Kong is amazing. And I would get tear gas and pepper sprayed a thousand times again to get this type of footage out to the people.
1: And you did exactly that, I'm pretty sure. I think I've seen some footage of you at a couple of of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests and Antifa protests, Um, you know, fast forward where I think you had your hair pulled. Am I right? You got actually like properly assaulted around. um, I think you were talking about police live matters as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So you certainly got straight back into it. But um, when you, when you came back to America and you got a hunger for it and all of these things sort of erupted in America, um, you also went back out on the streets. Was there a big difference like between, I guess, the community feel that you saw in Hong Kong and then what you were sort of seeing back on your own homeland in America during that time?
0: Yes. And that's why I was so angry in covering the Women and Antifa riots because they were burning down our entire country. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you guys have no idea what you're even fighting for. Your entire mm-hmm. movement is based on a lie. And there are people in Hong Kong who truly do want democracy. And side note to Hong Kong as well, they were flying American flags, not burning them like BLM and Antifa was doing in yes, our country. That's the right. Hong Kongers were flying American flags. They were sending messages to Donald Trump. Please, Donald Trump, come help us. Come save us. We're pro-democracy. We just want our freedom. We... Oh, we love america so on hong kong side they're flying the american flag they understand what our country truly is what it stands for obviously we're not perfect but we do offer much more freedom than various other countries and places and the people in hong mm. kong truly and actually oppressed by an authoritarian regime by the ccp whereas yeah. you go to america and then you have black lives matter their entire movement is based on a lie you have antifa that is actually pushing communism in america burning the american yeah. flag on our streets and fighting for everything that the Hong Kongers were standing against. So Mm. the juxtaposition of the two different environments and energies was so insane. And that's why I did make it my mission in 2022 to go and cover as many BLM and Antifa riots as I could, because I realized that these were evil people that were pushing something sinister in America. Mm. Again, socialism, communism, just straight up lies and propaganda. They were destroying small businesses. Again, I've watched a grandmothers getting beat up on the street for having the audacity to wear a Trump hat. So that's who these people actually were, real domestic terrorists. And so that's why I felt so strongly about reporting on them and reporting the truth because our media was covering for them. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was the main difference between the two groups there.
1: Yeah. And did you, um, I guess, did you feel safer in one, like covering one particular place than the other? Like, did you feel safer in China? (laughs) Like covering that? Or did you feel safer in America when you're on the ground?
0: I felt safer in Hong Kong for sure, because like I said, the people in Hong Kong were so united. They really liked the US media because they were very grateful that somebody was exposing and covering what was going on. So they would come up to us and say, hi, here's a water bottle. Here's free food for you. They would take care of us. Again, uh, when Mm. we were all running away from the police, they were like, get in the car. Come on, we'll help you. It was very united. Whereas when I was covering Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots, um, I got tear gas, pepper sprayed, punched, attacked, bricks thrown you know, you got to watch out for the, and arson. not from the
1: police, right? No,
0: not from the police. The police yeah. wouldn't do anything over here. The police are just watching it happen. And I'm just like, this is absolute insanity. I remember we were in Philly, me and Elijah Schaefer, and he got mugged and got punched in the face, held at gunpoint. Mm. So that's the scene here in America as a journalist. And then of course the mainstream media is like, well, they were all peaceful. They were there to fight for racial you know, justice. So uh, that's what they yeah. had to do.
1: Well, that's kind of what we got in Australia, the news coming here. Again, I looked beyond the mainstream media lens and I saw because I followed you, I followed Elijah. So I saw I think he put I think he had a busted lip or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I saw what was really going on. Um, But a lot of people thought it was just this is for Black Lives Matter. And it's like you'd have to be a psychopath to think that not all lives matter but for some reason uh, if you say that all lives matter you are pinned up as a racist you were this Mm -hmm. and even Australian people during the middle of this pandemic took to the streets to protest for black lives matter and that was totally fine that was okay because it was for racial discrimination and things like that um in Australia, even though we have less than 3% people of colour over here, but it's even less of a percentage than in America. But um, it's interesting, now you fast forward and the people who are fighting for freedom in Australia are selfish. And it's like that, you know, <laughs> can you not see the, the contradiction from last year with these Black Lives Matter protests all throughout Australia? But what I was going to ask you is, you, you said, you mentioned before when you're in Hong Kong, you like to talk to a lot of protesters on the streets and ask them themselves why they are there did you do the same thing to Americans who were on the street protesting for Black Lives Matter and if you did could they answer the question that's because a lot of like what I was seeing is a lot of people didn't really know why they were there but it was like that mob mentality and is that something you saw as well
0: yes so one of the ways that I went viral if you will and I got such a big following is because When I first got into politics, I would do these man in the street type of videos. And at that time, I was more politically neutral, but there was a huge hate for Donald Trump. So I would go to Trump rallies and ask people, hey, why do you hate Donald Trump? Nobody could ever respond. And that's how I ended up getting these viral clips because no one ever knew why they were angry or outraged. So I did the exact same thing with the BLM and Antifa rallies towards the end of 2020, I had to do it less because people would get so violent because what ended up happening is I would ask them, why are you here today? Why are you upset? They wouldn't know. They would push back. I would be the one that would get attacked because I was challenging them on their thoughts and opinions because I genuinely wanted to know, okay, if you're here fighting for George Floyd because he died from a knee on his neck, what about the fact that there was an amount of fentanyl in his system that would yeah. have proven lethal what about the fact that he asked to be put on the ground and taken out of the vehicle what about that body cam footage what about the fact that he was saying that he couldn't breathe well before there was a knee on his neck what about any of that and then you ask these people that type of stuff and then they say mm. well they don't say anything they just start pushing and shoving at that point because yeah. they don't not know why they're upset they don't know the facts of the case most recently kyle rittenhouse if australians aren't familiar. They may be, Uh, you know, he went to one of these BLM riots and he was basically protecting small businesses. And then a mob of these Antifa psychopath domestic terrorists came and tried to attack him. And so he shot back in self-defense. It turned into one of this, these huge trials here in the U S he was found not guilty as he rightfully should have because the Mm. people who were attacking him threatened his life at various points in the night. And then what does BLM do? They protest and say that the men that he killed were heroes for the Black Lives Matter movement when yeah. in reality they were known criminals with yeah. pasts of sexually abusing children. So that's who these people advocate for in America. They advocate for criminals who have a, a disgusting criminal past of you know sexually assaulting children, drug abuse, uh, shoplifting, cr- like various crimes. That's who we prop up in America and that's who we rally for unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's what I was noticing that they're getting, they're literally putting up criminals as martyrs for their cause. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's as bad as having a vegan butcher, you know, like it's just contradicts like the purpose. And, and um, it, that was something that I noticed that I found quite confusing. Um, but, you know, what I actually wanted to go back to the whole um, uh, Black Lives Matter, I guess the reason for it was police. Brutality. Um, I think it was Derek Chauvin, if that's how you Mm -hmm. pronounce his name, with that whole situation. Now, I was in a really unique position because I served in law enforcement for 12 years. And so there were a lot of things that I was seeing um, that maybe uh, other people might not be aware of or understand. Um, But again, the policing issues in Australia are different to America. Um, But I was very much um, against defunding the police um, because obviously. I served in law enforcement, but not just that, I see the purpose for it, the need for it. Do we need reformation? Absolutely. Could we improve? You'd have to be a psychopath to to not want to better yourself or the organization you work for. But I think the whole Black Lives Matter, I think it was like, um, it was really sort of based on getting rid of the police. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do remember you holding up a sign that was saying police lives matter, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman who violently assaulted you, pulled your hair because she was so outraged that you wouldn't want to defund the police. Now you live in America, you, you dwell there, that's your home. Would you, like, how do you feel about the defund the police movement? And what are your thoughts on that?
0: So initially I was very anti-defund the police. And then I went through this whole phase of kind of wanting to be an anarchist. And then I went back to, no, the police are essential. So let me let me talk to you guys about this whole time. <laughs> <A life."> journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started yeah. off, like I said, it this was, I believe, mid-2020. And David Dorn had just been brutally murdered by Black Lives Matter. Yes. Mm. domestic terrorists. I'm going to call them what they are. So he was Mm. a former police officer. He was defending his friend's business during one of these BLM riots. He ended up getting murdered. So I went and I stood outside um, of my city council building in Austin, Texas, and I held up a sign that said, that said Police Lives Matter. And then on the other side, it said, say his name, David Dorn, because Black Lives Matter loves to do this thing. Say his name, George Floyd, say his name, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, Mm. we're here for Black Lives. Then what about David Dorn's life? Because he was a black man. He was a former was, police officer yeah. who was brutally murdered because you guys wanted a free TV. That's absolutely disgusting. So I went out there and I silently held up a sign near a BLM protest. But I didn't. I wasn't near enough to them where I was like in the middle of their protest or anything. I was there on a public street, quietly holding my sign. Of course, this outraged them. So they came up to me. They started attacking me. They were calling me a dumb bitch, sorry to to be vulgar here, but this is what they're calling me. And they were so angry because they were intent on this narrative that the police were out here murdering black men and only black men in the street. Mm. Now, I did another Man on the Street a couple months after that rally, where I went and I asked people, how many black men do you think are killed every single day in America? I can't remember the percentage now, but it's basically a very small percentage. And of course, these people are like, oh, hundreds, hundreds of black men are mowed down in the street every single day. And I'm like, actually, that's not true. And when you tell people these true statistics, it blows their mind because, like I said, their entire yeah. movement is based off of a lie. So it it started out very much in favor of the police. And then I covered Antifa one night and APD was there, Austin Police Department. And I ended up getting mobbed and robbed that night as well. They beat me up like 10 to 12 Antifa, beat me up, stole my phone because they didn't like that I was reporting on them doing criminal activity. The
1: truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they didn't like that. And so they found me out in the group. They beat me up. I went up to the cops right after and I said, hi, you know, I just got mobbed. I just got beat up by that group right over there. And they just said sorry, call the precinct. And I said, okay, well, it's the middle of the night in downtown and my car's a mile away. Can somebody walk me to my car? And they said, no. And so then I went through this phase of being like, okay, why am I pro-police if you guys don't care about American citizens? On top of that, I was going to Washington, DC. I was going to Portland. I was going to Philadelphia. And I was watching the police in America stand down and not only stand down, but watch as Americans got beat up in the street. And then they did nothing. They said, oh, BLM and Antifa are going to beat you up. Sorry, there's nothing that we can do. Or for example, if somebody shot back against BLM because a mob was attacking them and their family, the police would arrest that American who was protecting themselves Mm. via their second amendment. So then I went through a phase of being like, okay, why am I going to back the blue? Why am I going to stand up for an entire organization that's being weaponized by our government to attack the citizens who are willing to stand up and fight back against this real domestic terrorism? So I went Mm. through that phase. And now I'm very much in the phase of, I am still frustrated with the way many police officers handled 2020, but I do not think that all police are like that. And I also realize that defunding the police is most detrimental to the minority communities that BLM is trying to save. Because look at what's happening right now in California. All of these celebrities are having their houses looted and robbed every single night by criminals. And what are they doing? They're paying security companies, private security companies to come and take care of their homes and protect Mm. them. So ultimately, If we get rid of the police, it's going to be like a free for all and everyone with the gun is just going to do whatever they want and this is a very again like anarchist perspective to have where it's like we could have an America that way but that's not going to be a prosperous nation and it's not going to go well for everyone it's going to be very chaotic it's going to be anarchy right. And so Mm -hmm. I realized the police are essential. Not all police are bad. We have police right now that are willing to stand up and do the correct thing. Unfortunately, we also have police like the NYPD who will go arrest a child for being in a museum unvaccinated and then overlook the fact that you can walk out of the store with less than $1,000 worth of items. So there's good and bad sides to both organizations. I think that the police still are very much essential. If we get rid of them and defund them, it's not going to be a good time. We are currently living through the consequence of the defund the police movement and all over our nation. Uh, For example, we had 12 of our major cities in the U.S. hit all-time homicide rates because of the defund the police movement. And now all the Democrats, now that it's 2022, it's our midterms, it's election year, they're all now campaigning on safe cities, safe streets and refunding the police. So- In reality, you need police officers. They're not all perfect, but they are essential.
1: Yeah, it's one of the arguments I made when I sort of, I put out a video saying why defunding the police is a bad idea. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of them was, um, it's the vulnerable people who are going to miss out. It's always the people who are telling you not to own guns not to do all these things that have the money and the means to then provide personal protection for themselves Mm -hmm. the celebrities Mm -hmm. the elites and it's people like you and me who are just like battlers just getting by (laughs) as normal citizens that are like well exactly what about my house you know like I'm one person I can do a pretty good job but I mean I'm one person and another thing I sort of said with the defund the police and why it was a bad idea is because as a society and a democracy it it is sort of essential in our functioning and things like that but what i what i really do think we need and what you've said has sort of clarified that for me is reformation with the police um mm-hmm. i think that some of the things in australia and i'm sure it's the same in america need to be very objective your court system your supreme courts your um you know your local court systems your Mm -hmm. police department your military these are all things that can't be politicized or influenced by outside uh factors like the mob and things like that and what we're seeing so often is these outside um uh, i guess influences have infiltrated some of the most sacred of objective spaces and it's turned them into something that they never were designed to be. And I think the but police if I could, is definitely-
0: If I could interject on that point too, Evelyn, because I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring up the fact that, yes, it, it is George, George Soros funded district attorney's in america that see these criminals getting arrested night after night in new york and los angeles and continue to let them go that's what happened during the duration of 2020 where the police were working hard and they were trying to arrest these criminals and then george soros funded district attorneys would let them out the very next day so Mm -hmm. like you're saying too there are these outside forces that are influencing these organizations that are funding the black lives matter and antifa movements that are funding these district attorneys that are in the pockets of our judges and that's making life even harder for police officers so a lot of the time too people want to put all of the blame on police and be like you're not doing a good enough job but in reality it's a much bigger issue than that like you said
1: yeah i back in sort of the late 2000s I had somebody um, hold a gun to me and actually pull the trigger but they had a stoppage that's the only reason why I'm here today Um, and I yeah like it was I actually got a commendation of bravery for this whole thing it was pretty it was interesting but it was this big thing over here and I got in a big foot pursuit I tackled the guy got him arrested him he had a sawn-off shotgun went to jail and I went to court and he got four years for attempted murder oh on a gosh. police officer, four years, and he was out on the street. When he was in jail, he put it. He he made various threats for my life. I think he didn't like the fact that a five foot five blonde chick <laughs> beat it, whooped him. And so he had <laughs> yeah. pride or ego or something. But in jail, he's like, oh, "I'm going to get this chick when I get out," and all of this sort of stuff. And he got out after four years. So my police station at that particular moment had to put various steps in place to make sure he wasn't coming after me but the very week he got released He did another armed hold up at another pub with another firearm and he's been out of prison for less than a week and he did this back on the streets. It's like these systems just fail the people. Like I couldn't do anything else other than what I did. He got four years and he's back on the streets. There is just corruption everywhere in every objective system that is supposed to be at the highest of standards. Because when you go to court, you're essentially able to take away somebody's liberties and freedoms which is the most biggest thing you can do to a human being it's a human right to live Mm -hmm. freely so that's why the court systems that's why police military we have to be held at such a high standard because we have the ability to take away people's fundamental human rights so having all of these things infiltrated by outside sources really difficult and it's difficult for police it's difficult for people because then there's mistrust between people and fractures between relationship with people and police and it's messy it's messy all around I think there needs huge reformation but like everything that fails what does the government do they put money into it they don't defund it education is failing let's put money into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this hospital is failing. Let's put money into it. But then they say the police are failing. Let's take money away. And it didn't make sense to me. (laughs) Um, You know, but you know, I kind of, this is, this could be a whole podcast about the policing issue, Sav. This could be something I could go on about forever. But what I did sort of want to um, touch base with you on, you did a really good video and it's probably a good segue actually. It was a two-part video about why you don't trust the government. Um, and I really I liked it. it.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank and you.
1: <laughs> I know it was a two part uh, video that you did. Um, so, and I'm going to ask you to kind of condense it, but I thought it was really good what you said. And I kind of wanted you to share that with people over here in Australia who might be watching.
0: Of course, of course. So uh, I basically did this video called Reasons Why I Don't Trust the Government. And I actually cut it up into five different parts. I talked about Operation Northwoods, which was a proposed false flag event by our own US government to get us into war with Cuba. This was during uh, Fidel Castro's time. So these were just examples that I brought up in this video of various times in history where the US government has used lies and manipulation to lie to the American people and how we very much need to look back in history at how our government has treated us to understand what is going on in the modern day i also talked about the gulf of tonkin in the vietnam war and how we were essentially lied into the vietnam war i talked about the tuskegee project where they were i believe it was our um i can't remember which organization but it was a government organization essentially the cdc stemmed from this organization and they were they took black American citizens who had syphilis and they left them untreated because they wanted to study syphilis, untreated the full progression of this, of syphilis. And we had treatment for it at that time. This was during the thirties through the seventies. And they refused to treat these men. They didn't even tell them they had syphilis. They told them they were getting free healthcare. This was our US government wow. to study the progression of syphilis. So that was another example of how the US government used American people as experiments unwillingly and unknowingly. I talked about MKUltra, which was another similar experiment. This was during the Cold War. Our CIA actually brought LSD to America. And during this time, they were so scared that Russians were going to take American citizens and use these different psychedelic drugs to get secrets out of them. So the CIA decided to conduct their own torture experiments with psychedelics on American citizens, on their own agents. Uh, sometimes people knew they were a part of the experiment. Sometimes they didn't. Um, one of their agents ended up dying. They said from a suicide, but his family begged to differ. So did the coroner. I talked about that one. And then I talked about, I can't remember the fifth one off the top of my head, but um, those were four of, again, government lies that I talked about in this video. And this was one video. I could go into so many different aspects of our culture of our food supply, the water supply, everything that the government has targeted the the American people with to slowly kill us essentially and lie to Mm. us and manipulate us and to push propaganda down our throats. So it really is baffling to me in the modern day when people just sit down, shut up and obey the government. I do think that that's um, that's because of our education system I think that it yeah. is created to make us subservient to authority, which is why so many Americans are so willing to sit down, as we've seen over the past two years, and listen to the government. But um, yeah, it's it's really insane once you start looking back in history to see all of what the government has pushed on the people, how they've lied, how they manipulated, and how they have kept us subservient for so
1: long. Yeah, and as people like you me people like alex jones all these people the tip jar when alex jones is right is getting very full and i think it's too full yeah it's too full it's overflowing um but that's right like and this is the thing um and I, i you know we've made this these mistakes before and it's like we haven't learned from them and you know in australia and from what you're saying in America as well, I've particularly had to learn that whatever I'm told from the government, I've either got to cut it in half and say that might half be true or I've got to just say it's completely untrue. But it's never, I, I very strongly doubt it's ever the truth um, because there's always an agenda behind it. There's always something behind what they're doing. We recently, um, on December 15th last year, those of us who are unvaccinated in Australia were let out of our homes, Sav. Can you believe it? I was allowed outside of my oh, home yeah, yeah. from December the 15th. And the first thing I was thinking was this, this doesn't feel right. I'm walking out of my home and I'm waiting for like the choppers to come. Ah, we've identified them and they're going to come and get me or something because, you know, I am so suspicious of the government. And when they give me something, I'm like, I don't trust it. But I'm always amazed that people are so trusting still. Um. Mm-hmm. So if you if you still believe the government, please go watch Sav's podcast on this because it will absolutely blow your mind. Um. And hopefully it will start getting you to assess the way that you view information and you go looking for information. But um what's happening in America at the moment with all of this? Like, what's, what's the feel for it? Um Obviously, in Australia, we are still very much a prison island. But is it like that in America? Or you do you feel like you're coming out of COVID?
0: It really depends on where you're at. I talk about this often how we are living in two separate Americas. You mm-hmm. have the one version of America that is listening to Dr. Fauci, that is listening to the CDC, that is getting double, triple, quadruple vaccinated, who will sit down and get boosters until the government tells them they do not have to anymore in order to get their freedoms back. I was actually just at the defeat the mandates rally in Washington, D.C. this last weekend, and I was interviewing mm-hmm. the protesters of this event there. Now, I don't understand who in America would protest a pro-freedom event, but there were protesters there. And I asked these protesters, how many boosters are you willing to get? And they said, as however many it takes. And I said, 10, 20, 30. They said, however many it takes to get us out of COVID. So you have that faction of America. And then you have the other faction I'm in this faction of America that is very much like, guess what? If I get sick from COVID, oh, well, it's the flu at this point. We need to learn to live with it. Everybody needs to take their own health and safety into their own hands. This is the land of the free, the home of the brave. I will not capitulate. I will not bend the knee to the government. And if the government wants to come to my house right now and tell me that I have to adhere to their COVID rules or die, I will choose death over it. Like that is where I'm at with this, Evelyn. Yeah. Not to be extreme, but- I think a lot of Americans have woken up and said, I am not going to give up my freedom for safety. So that's one side of America. And then you have the other side who has already given up their freedom for said safety. As we all know, the vaccine that they're pushing has not worked. It has not been effective. The CDC has lied to us repeatedly. Dr. Fauci has lied to us repeatedly. They are misinformation themselves because our CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, at the beginning of this year, or last year, apologies, said that the vaccine would stop transmission and that if you got covid Mm. Um, or if you got the vaccination, you couldn't spread COVID to anybody else. That has now been shown to be false. Look at Israel, for example, most vaccinated country in the world, highest COVID case rates. So we've been lied to repeatedly. And in America, you can go to a blue state like California or New York. And I went to California for my uncle's funeral last December only reason why i went i would never willingly go to california i got turned away for food because i was unvaccinated they told me that i could not mm. sit down in the restaurant i could go into the restaurant and i could order food and take it to go but i couldn't sit down in the restaurant because i was unvaccinated in blue states the daily life is so different than that of red states texas florida tennessee so those are the two different types of america that you got going on yeah. um it's it's really sad to see because I'm very much a pro-Constitution, pro-freedom American. And to the Australians that are listening to this right now, please remember and understand that the government does not give you your rights. They are God-given. And many Americans here, like I said, understand that. And that's why... We're fighting so hard against our government who continues to try to put these ridiculous restrictions on us. Luckily, Mm. our Supreme Court has ruled against Joe Biden's OSHA mandate that would have regulated businesses with over 100 employees to get their employees vaccinated. Unfortunately, like I said, depending on the state or depending on the company that you're with, the private companies can still try to force you to get that vaccination or get you fired. So we're living in two separate Americas. It really depends on where you're at, the experience that you're going to live.
1: Yeah, I was interested to see um, the Supreme Court results because in Australia, we sort of tried to take our government to court over the mandates over here um, mm-hmm. and it got thrown out. They were like, I'm not even listening. Like, goodbye, Aussies, Ugh. go back to your restrictions. So when I saw the Supreme Court, um, I was super encouraged by it. I was like, yes, that's not failing. Like, what? And it raised a lot of questions for me. Why is it that Australia can't do this, but America can. And I kind of was looking into the Constitution of America, the Federalist Papers, and something that I really noticed was that America is a lot more God-fearing, I think, than Australia. Even mm-hmm. if in America you don't live as a Christian, you're not really bearing good fruits of the Spirit, you would still probably nominally say, I'm a Christian. I'm a patriotic Christian person, etc., cetera, et cetera. In Australia, we very much reject all religion. We're very agnostic. We're very much mm-hmm. like don't even talk about God. Like that's sort of what we're dealing with. And something I appreciate about American culture is it's very much God and then the government and the people who wrote the constitution, the Federalist Papers in America feared God more than the government. And it was like God kept the tyrants at bay. And I think mm-hmm. it's when, uh, when the government becomes God, that's when tyranny reigns. Um, And I I don't know if you know uh, Australian culture or whether you agree with me sort of saying that. um, Again, I'm not saying everyone in America are Christians, but there is that sense of God fearing God and then all the nations below. So I was encouraged by the court result. Um, With that court result, did you see a lot of businesses going, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to do this now and scrap it? Or have you seen a lot of businesses go, I'm still going to do this regardless of the Supreme Court? It's
0: been a half and half. And I'll actually go back to your point about God over government. Right now, there is a huge degradation of America, of our culture, of our institutions, of our constitution. Because we are putting government ahead of God. And as Mm. a nation, our religious aspects, our religious founding is deteriorating so much. And you see that every single day. That's why there's been a huge wave and movement of this LGBTQ propaganda allowed to fester in our education system being targeted toward our children. Because, like you said, we were initially a Christian nation, we had our ideals and foundations, very God fearing and be, and as a nation, we've gotten farther and farther away from that. And look at where Mm -hmm. we're currently at right now. We should not be two years into COVID still fearing COVID-19. If we were truly a God fearing nation, the majority, which I want to have hope and say we are, um, we would never have let the government take away our rights and freedoms because many people at the beginning of this understood that God was in control and that if you get COVID and it's your time to go, God will take you. If you get COVID and it's not, then you will be okay. But it's all in God's hands. And one of the biggest things that was exposed during COVID was our churches. A lot yeah. of our churches Absolutely. bent the knee to the government. They segregated their congregation based on mm. masked or unmasked. And the churches, they actually bent the knee to the government and they put government over God. So I'm glad that you brought up that point, because if America continues down this route, it's not going to be a good place. Um, But going back to the businesses, I think that half of them were very relieved. The other half already chose safety over freedom and are willing to institute all of these unconstitutional laws and rules. So we will see what happens. I'm really hoping that we see lawsuits against companies Mm -hmm. for those who were unvaccinated and got Fired for no reason. My friend is a nurse. She was telling me that as a nurse, because of this mandate, she had to get vaccinated or lose her job. However, traveling nurses, because our hospitals are so short staffed because of Joe Biden's mandates, the traveling nurses didn't have to be vaccinated to go work in the hospitals, but the nurses who worked Mm. in those hospitals did. So the nurses would then get fired, creating this short staffed hospital shortage where, you know, the media is freaking out. Hospitals are overrun, not happening by the way. And then the traveling Mm. nurses who are unvaccinated are able to come in and our entire society is just degrading. It's, it's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think we are, I said this the other day, a video we're ripe for a revival. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, you can just feel it. Like we've just for such a long time, we have completely abandoned the things that made our nations once prosperous. And you mentioned it, Christianity is what founded our nations. I don't care if you're not a Christian, you can't deny the fact that it was Christians who wrote these constitutions. It was Christians who wrote all of, I guess, societal sort of rules, legislations, everything. Our culture was bred from that. And that's what made us prosperous. And we're abandoning abandoning it we are sort of rejecting it we've sort of mocked god for such a long time with you know we've we've said to 12 year old girls they can cut off their breasts in the name of tolerance we've said to Mm -hmm. 12 year old boys they can cut off their male genitalia in the name of you know tolerance and and anti-bigotry and you know, we've, we've uh, dismantled nine-month-old babies in the womb in the name of choice and health care. Yeah. You know, we've been mocking so- God for such a long time and I really do feel like we're, we're ready for a shake-up and the church is being complicit, like you said, and we've rendered things to Caesar that belong to him. And I really do think a new era is due to come. We, we really are going to see, I think, good things in the future to come. I think we've got a long way to go, but I think we have to get back to the things that made us once prosperous if we're going to get out of this sort of mess. But, um, you know, like I I love hearing your thoughts on things, your views. I think you're an incredibly intelligent woman and you're insightful and you've got the experience to back up, like, the things that you're saying and sharing Um, And I really I'm so grateful that you came on. I would love to direct people where they can follow you. Um, I know you have a podcast and you're a producer, but if you can share people with people where they can follow you so they can continue watching your work, I'd, I'd love it if you could do that.
0: Well, Evelyn, thank you so much for having me on. I always enjoy talking with you. You're an inspiration to me because you are one of the very few <laughs> right. Australians who is willing to stand up and push back. So, you know, you inspire me. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for having me on. If people would like to follow my work, you can find me on YouTube at Sav Says or my podcast, Rapid Fire with Savannah Hernandez. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. I have a website, savsasofficial.com. You guys can go check that out. I have a lot of vaccines research on there because that's very hidden from the public so a lot of good Mm. research on that front i have a rumble channel sav says odyssey channel same name instagram at sav with one n i'm back on twitter at rapid fire underscore pod i'm on as many social media accounts as possible because i'm constantly getting deleted but um my main show rapid fire. I live stream on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday at 9 30 PM central time. So go and check that out. And again, Evelyn, you're such an inspiration to me. So thank you so much for having me
1: on. It was an honor. I loved having you on and please do go follow Sav, all those things. Uh, You won't regret it. Trust me. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Evelyn.